Welcome to another episode of the Spoon Mob Podcast. This week, I am joined by Chef Sebastian LaRocca. He is the executive chef at the soon-to-be-open Fire, which is inside the new Hilton Columbus Downtown Tower that they built right across from the other Hilton, um, where like the Gallery Bar and Bistro is and everything. So this new tower, they're going to have a few different concepts. They're going to have Stories on High, which is a rooftop bar. They're going to have another place, I believe it's called Spark. It's going to be kind of a burger joint, grab a beer after work, have a quick business meeting kind of deal too. But Fire's the flagship. There's going to be a tasty menu component. It's open flame, open cooking. Everything's going to kind of hit the hearth, you know, that they have built, uh, hit the grill in some capacity, you know, too as well. They're also going to have an a la carte menu um, too. So it's not going to be strictly tasting only, but you will have those options. We get into it, kind of the whole setup, kind of the idea behind it, what they're doing. So first kind of learned about Sebastian, um, just, you know, the Hilton reached out and said, hey, you know, we, we've we heard your podcast. We love what you do. Would you have an interest in, you know, chatting with Sebastian, who's going to be our executive chef at these new properties and these new restaurants that were opened up in this new tower? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Of course. Did some research on Sebastian. And he's got a very, very well-traveled career. You know, he's from Argentina originally. Um, but he worked over in the UK. That's kind of where he gained some Michelin stars. There's a cool story in here about turning down Gordon Ramsay, which is pretty awesome. You know, he's worked in his home country. He's worked in Miami, Florida. He went to the CIA. He basically opened a couple different concepts in Costa Rica, which is, you know, kind of where he was before this. And now he's in Columbus, Ohio, um, you know, partnering up with the Hilton and, and doing this stuff. It's really cool to see more kind of outside talent coming into uh, Columbus every year. Uh, you know, Matt Harper came from outside and, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And there's rumors of a, a few different chefs, too, as well, that might be moving here to either open concepts or or take over an existing restaurant or something like that. So the more talent that we can bring in from the outside, the better. I think it helps elevate, you know, the food scene with different ideas, um, different concepts that maybe weren't here before, too, as well kind of rising tide lifts all boats, you know, obviously you still want to support all your local people, but you know, you do need other people to come in and help kind of push, you know, the food scene to, to new heights and levels that it hasn't been to before. And, um, you know, BJ Lieberman talked about it, you know, where we're a major city and, and kind of need to act more like it. And there's different programs, you know, Matt Hagens has the cafe overlook, which is kind of this workforce program, which eventually some of those people could stay in the hospitality industry and wind up doing great things here in Columbus or possibly in other cities. So there's a lot of stuff going on in Columbus. I feel like the the pandemic really kind of held the city down, at least the restaurant scene. And obviously that was across the board, um, wherever you look, but in Columbus, it just, it froze everything. And we, we didn't have any new concepts coming for, you know, a couple of years. And now it's, you know, BJ Lieberman's got a new concept. Josh Dalton's got a couple things in the works that are probably going to open by the end of the year that have been already been announced. You know, we have these restaurants in the Hilton, you know, Fire and everything, and, and a whole bunch of other stuff too as well, and a bunch of other places that maybe have one location that are looking at opening a second location and expanding that way too. So it's really cool to see. You can follow uh, Chef Sebastian LaRocca on Instagram. He's at S-E-B-A-S-L-A-R-O-C-C-A. So Sebas LaRocca, basically just kind of the first part of his name. You can also follow his uh, Costa Rica restaurant group at Eat Gastro Group. And that includes the restaurants Botanico, which is at Botanico CR because it's in Costa Rica. That's the Instagram handle for that. Roca Sushi, which is at Roca CR. And then also Hamburgerisa, which is at Hamburgerisa. And then also follow at uh, the Hilton Columbus account too as well. And that kind of give you some updates on when they kind of do a soft opening and when they do a full launch and everything. 
of all those different concepts. But fire is the one that's going to open first. And we'll add more Instagram handles and tag everything too, because they're going to have different Instagram handles for all the different concepts that they open. But Fire also has their own Instagram handle. It's at Fire Short North. Uh, so you can follow them too as well uh, for any updates in the restaurant. Like I said, that'll be the first one that opens. But you can follow us on Instagram at SpoonMob, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. You can find us on all those platforms. Check out the website, SpoonMob.com. Make sure to subscribe, follow the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from. That way you're not missing out on any new episodes. New episodes drop on Thursdays. We do drop some mini episodes with some returning guests um, just kind of randomly on Monday, Tuesdays. There's no real set time or anything. It's just kind of when we're able to find some free time and link up with somebody that's interested in coming back on the podcast and talking about something you know new that they got going on, um, new concept, uh, new business that they just opened or new executive chef job or whatever that they just took on. So those kind of drop randomly. So that's why you want to be subscribed. So all that stuff just hits your podcast app. Uh, as soon as you kind of wake up in the morning, it'll be there unless you're one of our third shifters, which is why we release all our podcasts at 1am. I have worked third shift in previous life and it's not fun. Some people love it. I do not. And I totally respect people that have to work that for family obligations or whatever. So um, if you're getting off at, uh, you know, 12, 1am and you're still kind of wired and up, you can put on the podcast and, um, or about a new great restaurant or new business or something that you should be checking out um, here in Columbus or anywhere um, you know nationwide too as well. We have different guests on from all over the country and some from out of the country. Without further delay, here is my conversation with Chef Sebastian LaRocca, the executive chef of Fire, located in the new Hilton Columbus downtown tower here in Columbus, Ohio. Appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule. I know you're pretty busy right now with everything that you got going on, which we're going to get to the couple different concepts that you're opening uh, with the Hilton here. I'm a little bit later. I always like to start with everybody kind of at the beginning of their career. Take me through how did you first get started cooking? I mean, I think a big proponent of it was your grandmother, right? For me, my grandmother was a huge inspiration. I have a lot of fun. Being around my grandmother cooking. To be fair, for both sides, my grandparents used to be great cooks, but home cooks. So I really get inspired, get well with my grandma from my mother's side. She was for me my huge inspiration. I still back when people ask me, who is your favorite cook? I said, my grandmother. Nobody can beat his spoon, including myself. She was so special in the way to cook, you know. For me, it was one of the more nice inspiration because cooking is about give love to someone else, you know, is is the nicest thing you can do in life. That's what's inspired me. I say, I want to do this. You're probably learning, I can imagine, all these different family recipes, right? And, you know, you're kind of learning how to make all those. Did you always kind of just want to be in restaurants? Was your first job in a restaurant and you were kind of hooked and wanted to continue? How did all that kind of happen? To be fair, I was Cooking with my grandma when I was in school, but when I was in school, I know was in my head, come a chef. I was going to study actually economy. The last year of school, I turned complete and said, I don't want to spend the whole day in the office. I'm a creative person. I want to do something different. Um, I started to think and say, cooking is what I, I really enjoy. I believe cooking is a gift. You have two types of cooks. I always say you have the cook who come with the gift and the guy who is not gifted and he's going to need to work the double to get it. Because not everyone is creative in this business, you know? So the guy who is not have the creativity is going to need to work double. That not means he's not going to make it, but he's going to need to work doubles. The guy who have to give and he's, this thing's coming more easy out, right? I decided to become a chef because 
I really have fun. I really like cooking. And I told with this profession, I want to be able to travel, to know people, to be interacting. It's every single day is different. And I don't want to be in, in a monotony where every single day is doing the same. So that's the reason last year in the school, I told my family, I want to come and cook. My dad was this old school, told me, you're crazy. But after a few years, he rejected and told me, actually, you've done a great choice. Was anybody in your family, immediate family, a professional cook or involved in the restaurant industry at any capacity? So I have a political uncle. My mother's brother is married with a woman, but his brother is a really top chef in Argentina. When I grew, I grew seeing him on the TV, and he was a really a good inspiration for me as well. He's a great actual cook, still being great in Argentina, in the culinary scene in Buenos Aires. He's a guy who done a lot of stuff for, for the gastronomy in Buenos Aires. So Paulo was a great inspiration for me when I started this business. We got well with him, and we still now is fun because now we are like pars. So I started to see him when I started to now come and be a part of his team for me was uh, something really nice. I told this is a profession what you need to be super humble to learn, but as well as a profession where you need to be having hospitality because it's something what you really feel when you cook from the heart or someone just do it for business, you know? That's the reason why I decided to do it. I like to look after others. Um, for me, is the nicest thing you can do in life. It's like the doctors. You don't do it for money. It's, it's a profession where you really do it because you want to make feel people happy. What was your first job in a restaurant? My first job was in Dunkin' Donuts. What actually was a little disappointing to me because I was raising uh, last year of school. I was raising some money because I, I want to move to the States to become a chef. So I had a few months free. A friend of mine joined Dunkin' Donuts. He said, hey, man, if you want, you can join me. They're looking for cooks. I'm going to cook and I'm going to go now to the culinary school in the States, but probably I can raise some money. Let's make. So I told them we're going to have all ready, all for scratch, and we're going to learn how to do donuts. When I arrived, was everything already made. You don't need to do is decorate. So I was a little disappointed. I, first week was fun because I was eating donuts. But after a week, I don't want to see a donut. For me, it was fun because already I was cooking. So I joined the culinary school in New York, and to be fair, I don't finish the school. I believe I'm in Puig. And the reason was, I'm half Italian. Um, I read to the school, and I start to feel like a, a little frustration. Was 90% of the, I'm sorry for the, the teachers and trainers, but 90% of the trainers so far in the country is where I live. They never step in the kitchen. So it's really easy to talk about technique and fundamentals, but in a Contour environment, but it's different where you really try to apply that in reality. I start to feel a struggle in a few things, especially when they start to talk about meats or pasta or how to make a risotto in Italian. I said, this is not for me. The real school for me was the street. So I quit the culinary school and start to work in, in different types of restaurants in New York and Miami to come to the point where I want to be really. And that's for me was a real, the real test, the real school, you know, with this, I don't mean the guys that no need to go to school. With this, I don't mean the culinary school they are bad. Uh, they're really good. And actually, I've done a few careers after. But in my case, they have a different background that have really good cooks for when I start. I told them I write to the school and whatever they was trying to explain me, I already done it. And I know I was feeling myself really comfortable in the way I like to be. I'm a really free 
person that I like to cook in my way. I don't like to feel and follow really rules and how to do things. That should be the cooking. Pastry is different. That's the reason I always work with amazing pastry chefs. Pastry, you need to be precise. Um, I like to be a little bit messy, fun, change things, adapting myself according to what I have. So you were already planning on going to culinary school while you got that job at Dunkin' Donuts then, right? Did I pick that up right? I was going to culinary school and this job popped up a few months before I moved to States. It was great because I said, okay, I can make some extra money before I move into States and get some cash. But uh, realistically, I don't really enjoy it. So I quit to that. Uh, when I moved to States, I get my official first restaurant in a kitchen. It was simple, amazing. Besides in, in Argentina, I done a few stage and work in different small kitchens, but it was more like a my father's friends invite me to cook for a weekend or things like that, right? You already decided to come to America at that point. Why America? Were there no culinary schools in Argentina where you were at? Or Miami is like my backyard. My uncle lived there the whole life. My grandparents used to live in Miami. My father as well spent a lot of time in Miami. Um, so I have cousins, and nephews and all that. My family is in Miami. So... When when I decided to become a chef, we start to see options. In Argentina, at this moment, you have a really, really strong quality level schools and the culinary scene in Argentina is really strong. Actually, they just launched the new guy of 50 Best San Pellegrino. In the 100 restaurants, you have many in Argentina. So Argentina is doing amazing. It's killing it at the moment in culinary. But... In that time, I took me 26 years ago when I decided to come a cook. Then there was many options. So one option was go to France. I don't speak French. I can fight in French, but I don't really speak French. My English is quite well as my French. So I decided to come to States. Especially having my family, some business here, um, my family as well here. It was easy to have some support. So I started my adventure coming to States. Um, that almost five years, my first stage here in the States, where I work for different types of restaurants. One of the restaurants in that time when I started to work um, was official. My first restaurant was, and I have a lot of fun, and it's not what it was now. And I believe, you know, and I believe when you was a kid, you've been, it's Benny Hanna's. That was one, my first place. And to be fair, I love it. I learned a lot there about volume and about teamwork and about Asian cuisine. That was my first official restaurant just popping on the school. Second day I get this job. It was amazing. To be fair, see all these chefs doing the show. I was 18 year old and this guy flipping all the stuff on there um, was fun. But then I realized that no was what I want. I really want to become a professional cook. Um, I start to see different fine dining places. I start to do stages. They like to get more serious them was a time to get my first official, after a few years, my first official job, like a chef de cuisine in, in Miami with a sushi place. It was great. But then I realized to become a chef, because we are all cooks. Chef is more the position of leading the kitchen, you know, more a payroll thing. We are all cooks. But to come in the position to close the circle, I need to start to travel and know people. I always say, Food is super powerful, can put people together in a table, can bring people who are you together. But as well, you learn about people and you learn about cultures in the food. So I always like to say, if you know me, try my food. So, and that's what I ask my cooks when I'm, 
actually doing that in the hotel. I have a lot of guys they work here in the hotel, and I need to know the guys not only if they are able to do the job as well. I want to know who they are. So what I ask is cook for me, please. So in that way, I can understand who you are, who are your roots, your background, your skill level. And it's something really nice that someone spend the time for you, you know? So I started a journey and I traveled for pretty much all around the globe in the last 26 years. And then in that time, I have lucky to work with a lot of super top chefs. You go to culinary school, the CIA in New York. You decide it's not for you. You can learn more on the job kind of elsewhere, wind up working in New York a little bit, some restaurants, and eventually make your way down to Miami where you have family. I ask this question to everybody. I like this question. If someone in your kitchen now today comes up to you and they're like, hey, chef, I'm super passionate about becoming a chef. I want to own my own restaurant one day. Do you think I should go to culinary school? What would you tell them? If you have the time and you want to do it, knowledge never is going to take space in the brains. Knowledge is super powerful. When people ask me about success, what's the key for success? I say, what is work for me? Not necessarily is going to work for you. We are all different. So it's really personal because for me, the culinary school, no was filling all the things where I was looking. But for some people, what is more structured works fantastic. And not everyone has the opportunity to have amazing grandparents that cook super good. I try for graph for my grandmother, and my grandmother make big stroganoff. My other grandmother now pasta and better any Italian restaurant what I ate before. So not everybody have is allowed to get this knowledge for when you're a kid. So when I arrived to the school and the first day I saw the training doing risotto, say this is not for me. For some people who have no was able, because a lot of guys now, like you say, they're watching TV, they're watching. 26 years ago, you don't have all this information what you have now. So you are more able to see, oh, I want to be a cook or I don't want to be a cook. When you come to this time, I think it's, it's a personal choice. You know, if you want to study, it's fine. If you need to click, tick that to your parents and say that's the title, it's fine. But for me, the real school is a street. Both chefs with title or without title, they value exactly the same. Nothing is going to warranty that you have a title in your, in your wall you're going to be an amazing cook. Because I can tell you guys, they go to the best school and they don't come. So, and I know guys where they're empiric 100%, they never step in a school and they cook amazing. So it's so relative about the school, you know. For me, it's about passion. How passionate you are about this career. And you don't take it like a career, you take it like a lifestyle, you know. But like everything in life, if you want to win something, you need to put something. And the best advice what I can give to anyone who's listening to this and want to do a step in this career is you need to put time and you need to invest in this. And invest is not only money, it's time and time to go to learn. Learning is in this business is about read, it's about taste and travel. So when you invest in this career, what is a lifestyle actually, and a way to live, you're full. But you know, can pretend only to go to school and say, oh, I'm a chef, because that's no good. That's not enough. Coming back to what you say, it's a personal choice. If you decide you want to go to the school, it's fine for me. I want to support you. I want to try to organize my schedules in the way they work for you. If you tell me, I never study, but I want to become a chef, and you have the right attitude, I can teach you to cook, but I can teach you to have a good attitude. And a bad attitude is like a flat tire. It's not going to take you anywhere. But if you have an amazing attitude and you have fire, 
I can build up and I can make you an amazing cook because that's what you need to come a cook, the right attitude. You really be able to put what you need to this. You need to invest time. And if you want to put the time and you have the right attitude, everyone can cook. It's no secret. You're down in Miami. You're, you had some time at Benihana. You're making sushi in, in Miami. What happens from there? Because eventually you wind up in the UK, which is kind of, I think, where everybody kind of knows your career starts in the press with a couple of restaurants there, which I want to get to. But fill in kind of that time between Miami and you getting to the UK. What all happens there? Yeah, you know, always happen like most of the cooks, we always are in the shell. And then I believe is 50% of the success because this formula success is not really a formula. But for work for me, I always say it's two things. 50% is know how to do your stuff and 50% of the people know you. Sometimes you're in the right time, in the right moment, and you have the catapult effect. And that's what happened with me in UK. The UK was a catapult to take me up to the people know me. But in between Miami and UK, so I've been in Chile. So first, moved to Buenos Aires for a few months, then get a job in Chile in Punta Arenas, where is the last city on the continent. After that, you have La Antártida. So it's really, really cold. It was in a small town where you can walk it around four hours. You, you can walk around literally the town where is Punta Arenas. I've been there for six months helping to reopen a hotel. After that, done a little pop-ups in Ecuador, in Guayaquil, with a group, those small restaurants where they hired me to do a pop-up and be helping in consulting. From there, I opened Faena Hotel and Universe in Argentina, which was an amazing journey. Luxury hotel, great group of chefs. We worked together to open that hotel. And after that, I have the offer to move to uh, Costa Rica. So, and this was a personal thing. I was, in that time, I was married. I moved from the States to South America to get married. I had a long relation. After I moved to Buenos Aires, we opened this hotel. I split from my ex-wife and I said, I don't want to stay in Buenos Aires. I have many years not living in Buenos Aires. And I have this offer to move to Costa Rica. I said, Costa Rica, okay, let's see. Beautiful beaches, great people, great surf. Okay, let's make it. So we moved to Costa Rica. I arrived to that hotel, um, luxury five-star hotel, amazing brand. But I realized there was the opposite of my philosophy and something I can negotiate is my ethics, you know, and my ethos. And there was everything frozen. And I understand how I totally charge you $600 a night is purchasing everything frozen. Being just the ocean in front of you. So I decided this is not what I want for my career. Actually, my, the new administration, we get in love with, uh, with Karen is the name. Um, we engage. Um, we married and we moved to London. My brother lived in London. I have Italian. So my brother was, hey, when you come to London, here is a bunch of opportunities with your career. I think you can do something here. So we moved to London. I have a job uh, outside in Hertfordshire, 45 minutes from London, a dream job. I was working for Michel Rue restaurant inside the, the Marriott Hotel, country hotel. People drive for the city just to come dining there. And that was my first time I pop in the Michelin guy and my first time popping the Rosette today, quality Michelin. It was amazing. Busy business. We was working just in the nights. We opened six to 10. But we start our day at 8 o'clock in the morning and end the day at 1 o'clock in the morning every day. Two sittings a night. We have all, all our veggies, game, uh, fish, 
for the property or two kilometers around the property was a, a dream. A headhunter, I have people like Marco Piroguay, Antoine Lederman, who was a chef of Savoy, Gordon, and a few other top celebrity chefs coming to die in the restaurant. So I started to, my name started to go out because I come in the Michelin guy, recommend I come with two rosettes. So a headhunter approached me and said, hey, listen, I have two job offers for you. I have Gordon Ramsay who wants to meet you. And we have Jamie Oliver as well. On the same time, I have a third offer for another headhunter in the same week for a Michelin Asian restaurant in Oxford Street. So I write home and tell my wife, listen, I have this. Gordon Ramsay, Jamie Oliver, Cocoon. I don't know who is this guy, Jamie Oliver. I know who is him, but I don't think he's my fit in my tapest cuisine. My wife, who is my business partner in life as well, she was, do the three tastings. So I done the first tasting with the Asian restaurant. Second was Jamie. And when I met Jamie, you know, like first love impression, we done straight up a click. And was the way he was, the way he behaved, his ethos about products, his ethos about people. And I say, I want to work for this guy. I canceled my interview with Ramsey and take the job with Gordon. Jamie was telling me, like, you never done, you know, this restaurant is no Michelin, it's no Rosette, it's completely different from your career. You was coming in fine dining. Yes, but it was a place where I found back my way to my original roots because I was doing French cuisine. I was doing another type of food when I was my Asian. Jamie drove me to what, who I am. He's half a big, for me, as all the chef where I work, I always say he's my mentor. My main mentor, because thanks to him, I backed in fires. I took the job for him starting for Ram Barbacoa in London. It was an open fire restaurant where I was lucky to as well met Alan Perilam, a barbecue chef for this American. He used to own a, Alan Perilam in, in Berry Hills. Great guy. Start working with Jamie for my part, and then I helped Jamie for a few years with all the restaurants, like uh, another openings. Um, and then an amazing. And Jamie with Barbacoa, that was my catapult to the people who started to know me. Have you seen or spoken with Gordon since you told him that you were not going <laughs> to cook the tasting for him and canceled on the interview? It's really good because Gordon at that time knew me for yes or no, uh, no match. He was coming to a restaurant. I pop and say, hey, Gordon, hi, Baba. After I take the job in Barbacoa, a few months after he started the construction of Bread Street, just in the same place where it is Barbacoa, literally crossing a corridor of six meters. And I come, no friend, actually it was full. It's one of my best friends, Simon Gregory, he's culinary director. So I helped with the, all the opening notes. On the same time we was there, we say, hey, you know what? We just crossing, whatever you need, let me know. These guys was doing the opening process and we support them and we help them. Then in London, you have a culinary festival called Taste in London. So for five years, we're doing this show. Gordon and my, uh, Gordon guys, Jamie's guys, we was having pretty much the same boxes, one on the size of the other. So we was cooking one on the size of the other. We have fun. And he understand. I don't like I, his style of management, you know. I'm old school, but I believe since the time change and you know can be barking and shouting and throwing stuff on the kitchen. People now don't work more like that, you know. So uh, that's something what I learned from Jamie is they behave in the kitchen, the way to treat people, the way to treat as well suppliers and ingredients. Up to this point, I mean, you've moved to a few different places. You know, you moved to the U.S., then you moved from the U.S. back to you know Argentina. You're in Chile. You're in Costa Rica. Like. 
that's not an easy process, at least from my understanding. Like, is there a lot of paperwork that you have to go every time? Or are you just like work visa, six months, like whatever, or just like just rolling into the country? Like, yeah, I'll figure it out. Depends. For example, with Chile, uh, with the United States, I was just swapping my visas for student or visas. With London, I have a European passport and London just recently go out to the European Union, but a few years ago, if you are European, you was able to be there. And with South America, South America, they have uh, similar to the European Union, so uh, you can work in all around Chile, Brazil, Bolivia, Peru, all these countries, you can work, you just you swap the papers, it's really easy to work there. Easy way to work, it's not so complicated. With some ones, I was just getting a visa, but you know, part of who I am, and this is the best advice of coming back, what I give to people is, if you want to come great in this business, you need to travel. You need to see the world. You need to see what people is cooking around. You need to taste food. There's no chance you'll be doing the same and the same and the same and the same, and you pretend to be successful in something. And this applies for everything you want to do in life. You need to move yourself. You need to see different things, taste different things, listen to different people. It's the only way to then you create your own path. How big of a difference are the two restaurants in the UK that you're working at? You mean uh, Jamie from uh, Michelle? Yes. Night and day or? Yes. Zodiac was fun dining, real fun dining. We had a set menu. Uh, it was only, you were by sittings, two sittings by nine, sitting of six, sitting of eight, really structured with the sommelier, maître, really all, all French is cool, you know. Jamie was the opposite. Actually, we when we get the, the, the letters, the Michelin guy, and then we stare at other walls, like we said, and things, we were surprised. Because actually it was the first time in my career I really relaxed cooking. I know it was with the stress that I expected the Michelin guy or the Rosettes can come and dine and you lose the star or you lose the guy or whatever. I was having fun. It was all about fires. And that's exactly the same happened with my restaurant in Costa Rica, where we can go now with that. But you see, there was the opposite. I believe you don't cook for the awards. And this is something that today people is not, the young guys do not understand in life. The other day I was talking with someone say, oh, I want to work because I want to get the Jamin Award. No, man, that's wrong. You know, dude, you know, work for awards. You cook for the people and the people get the awards. We sell experiences. We don't sell just, we, I don't work for awards. I don't care about the words. I work about for the people, the people who come. And if the people really like our food, we get the words. And then the words is something like we really win and we love it. And it's a motivation for, for the team. But we don't work for the words. So how do you wind up back in Costa Rica from there? The plane. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could have taken a boat, I guess. So I set myself up for that one a little bit. Was it just time to leave London? You know, you just been there for a number of years and, and you were just kind of done. You wanted to go back to ocean surf and... We done six amazing years in London. My wife told me that when we get pregnant, she wanted to reduce the speed of the, how I was working and, and the amount of work I was having. It was, it was really intense, London. London is a city where non sleep is a boom, boom. It's like New York. You know, stop. Our restaurant, there was crazy mental busy and I was in the same time overlooking many restaurants for Jamie um, I have this amazing job offer for a company where my wife used to work they was looking for a culinary director and I was doing that job I started to do that job with Jamie I was operation chef for him 
and this job pop. The owner of the company traveled to London. I met him. Um, I really about feelings with people. I don't really care about money. Money never was a motivation for me in my life. I'm a person where I believe motivation. My motiv- main motivation is materialize my dreams. Money come after, you know, if you make your dreams true. But it's not the main motto. Now, a lot of people put everything money in, in the choices in life. For me, it's, it's the last choice. And actually, I never choose it. So this offer come, I met this guy, Javier Pacheco, and I said, wow, I want to work for this guy. It was less money, but was quality slide offered. So we moved to Costa Rica with a commitment of two years, or four years for this group, what they call Enjoy. We done it amazing. It was an amazing journey. Um, I always want to be thankful for Javier and his family. They opened the doors for me. Um, Within four years, where well, we opened many hotels like El Mangrove, what was ranked uh, best hotel in, in the company around the globe for Marriott. Um, then we run different restaurants and hotels. But it was a time where I feel this is not what I want. I want to experiment myself to see who I, who I am. Decide to open my own restaurants. Open my first restaurant in Miami in the 2018. They called Cultura. Cultura means culture. Because we also believe that we want to culturize people about what is Latin cuisine. In that time, the business partner, what I have, know was right. We know we're sharing the same ideas. And after a year, I decided to open my ways for the company. It was a great company. My business partner was great. But we know well, sometimes, you know, partnerships are not easy. I don't know if you've done one before, but Sometimes it does, it's not the right person. It's like the, the marriage. It's nothing wrong. Simply, it's not the right person. So I decided to open ways, set in Costa Rica full. I was traveling too much. I have a small daughter. Now she's eight. In 2019, we opened Botanico. Botanico was my dreams coming true in what is the restaurant concept, open fires. And Botanico come to, to till all the things we was expecting and look about the restaurant. In we get all the awards we was expecting. 2019, and as 2019, we we was run by Nick Gills for New Order between the 19 best restaurants in America. Well, the same happened with Cultura before. Cultura get a lot of awards. I don't know if you saw it, but what Botanico done, I believe, was my best achievement so far. We have bad lucky that we open in December and then in March we get kicked by the pandemic. We have 20 and 21 with pandemia, um, but on the middle of the 2020, we got the amazing news of TripAdvisor rank us on the 10 top percent of the best restaurants in the world. On the middle of last year, 50 best on Pellegrino, what is one of the top best restaurant guys in the world, rank us in 50 best discovery. So besides we was getting slammed by the pandemia, we get this motivational um, awards what the people give to us because people bought for us about services. Botanical and amazing. Then in, in Costa Rica, uh, I opened my little restaurant what they call uh, Roca. What is, uh, we play with my last name and it's a Isakaya Speakeasy Sushi Bar. What we done this combination of sushi and hip hop. So the playlist is hip hop for the 80s. And you go, this is like a man cave, dark, looks like a classic species. I was inspiring Al Capone speakeasy. You eat sushi with hip hop and people love it. And then we own a burger joint in Costa Rica. That's pretty much the last, I spent uh, almost nine years in Costa Rica. I love Costa Rica. My daughter is Costa Rica. My wife is Costa Rican. But like everything in life is a time. 
How different is Costa Rica from other places that you've cooked? Is it, you know, a lot of the restaurants are corporate or chains or hotels or independent? You know, how's the food scene there? You have everything. You have independent restaurants, you have chains. Costa Rican people like a lot of American chains. So they have chains. But now, the last few years, Costa Rica is changing. You have amazing cooks at the moment. There start to be a lot of pop-up restaurants and independent restaurants. Now, it used to be like... A, 2080, 80% franchises, 20 owners. Now we flip in and I can tell you there are more independent restaurants that franchise. And then you're going to see in the beach area is a lot of hotels. In the city, you have hotels, but not that many like in the beach areas and outside. And then in the city, you have some amazing restaurants at the moment. I have two friends where they're doing so good there. And I believe they're going to come in 51. Actually, one. Pablo is as well, they get a award last year on 50 and Santiago with Silvestre, I believe he's going to get a award this year because he, there are two Costa Rican guys where they're doing amazing food at the moment. Do you think like Costa Rica is kind of the next Central America, Latin America, like country where its food scene is going to kind of explode and kind of be on the global stage, like like Peru, Brazil before it? Yes, 100%. Costa Rica is doing amazing Something where I really like was Costa Rica was the microclimes what you have. So you, you have a lot of diversity in products. You can get whatever you want pretty much there. So Costa Rica at the moment is we done for nine years we, we collaborate between all the chefs and you have as well Randy Silas where he's on another amazing local chef and all these chefs we work together um I believe now people is seeing Costa Rica. It's a hot spot. Everyone, Europe, America, South America, they see Costa Rica for holidays, but that is not going for holidays as well. They're going for dying. So when you start opening your own restaurants, was it just time or did you feel, you know, you're like, I'm tired of working for other people and wanted to do something on my own where you had more control or? What's the time? Time is key. I always say time equal experience. And it's the only thing you can cheat in life is time and before I had many times that offered to get a uh, open restaurant, I open my own restaurant, but I don't know what's the time. Um, that's something what is advice that I give now to all these new generations. They want to rush. They want everything fast. Don't rush. It's no rush. You don't need to with 22 year old open your own restaurant, you know, or with 23. I always say enjoy the ride. It's the expression I, I do. I, re- I ride motorcycles and expression, uh, the slogan of BMW is make like a ride. I love it. And actually, I have it in my WhatsApp, make like a ride. You need to enjoy the ride, you know? So for me, it was a time situation. I thought it was the right time to open my own places. With that, you opened, you know, the Live Fire restaurant, like you mentioned, Botanico. Then you opened Roca, which is like the sushi Izakaya restaurant. And then Hamburgerisa, which is just a hamburger spot. But with each of those concepts, you're drawing from your previous experience too. Like Live Fire, that's a big thing. And Argentinian style cooking, you know, Francis Mallman, like all that stuff. One of your first jobs was sushi in Miami. And then, I mean, everybody loves hamburgers, right? That was probably the logic behind that one. But the point is, fire is my life, is my passion. I have fire in my heart. When I talk, I'm passion. This way, I'm, I'm fire. But then the other two is, I'm a big fan of burgers. If you ask me between my three top meals, burgers is one. I can, some people run a burger like, burger is a burger. No, but Make a really good burger. It's a serious deal, you know. It's not a really good burger. Is 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 
it's not easy to get it. You get burgers, but really good? No, it's a combination between the bread, the, the patty, and it's not about toppings because I'm, I really like really basic burgers. Less is more for me. So when my business partners told me about joining the hamburguesia and get the burgers, I said, sure, I'm a big fan of burgers. Let's do it. That's like the fun part of our business. And then sushi was something like, that's one of my second type of food favorites in the world. And I always want to open a isakaya. I talk with my wife. We're going to turn this year 15 years together. And I always thought I want to have a isakaya bar where it's just, I just want a bar. I know doing hot food is only amazing cocktails, great sushi, and hip hop. And my wife, you're crazy. You don't can have hip hop with sushi. Say, I want to have it. And like I told you, my motivation is make my dreams true. So during pandemia, we was planning to open, before pandemic, we was planning to open Roca, like a real restaurant down the street and great. So the pandemic come and you need to, for me, what I learned for pandemia, the key was not about reinvent yourself, was about how fast you can react. So we used to have a speakeasy bar inside Botanical and we say, okay, what we do with that? People is not going to go and make, put themselves inside. We used to fit 60 people in this place like this all together. And we say, we can do that. So I get the idea, we think what we're doing with the sushi and say, we're doing the speakeasy. We only cook for 12 people on the time. And we open it during pandemic. 12 people sitting, just sushi, great cocktails, great amount of quality of sake, hip hop. And people love it. Have you been to Japan at all? Have you been to Italy? Yes, of course. I've been six months there. I've been all around. Now I love it. How does the opportunity with Hilton come about? Because that's kind of the next thing, which, you know, you're working on now, working on the concepts, which, well, the concepts are fully flushed out, but you're, you're working on the menus and everything like that now. With Hilton, for me, was a life change opportunity. It's not just a job. That's the first. Costa Rica is, in many aspects, is great. But as well, I, I was feeling a little stranded with a few personal items Um in December, I have a personal situation with my family in Argentina that made me, my father passed away. And that made me uh, rethink a lot what I want to do with my life, personal and work life. One of the things was, I understand that the time you lose with your family, you can bring it back. And the other was money and work, they go and come. is not the most important. As well, we learned this during pandemia, you know. So I have a really good friend who worked for me and his mentor, and we are amazing friends, post this opportunity about um, Hilton. He was looking for a chef who want to be the face and own the restaurant. Um, just in Costa Rica at the moment with the pandemic and all that, the economy is turning a little bit complicated to run business. Um, I really want to do a change. I really say, you know what? We're going to keep our restaurants in Costa Rica, work and everything, but I need something different. I, I touch my roof in Costa Rica. I can do more. And house economy is at the moment. I can. The only way to grow is grown for the sites. And I don't want to open more restaurants. What we have is fine. We're doing amazing. People love the concepts. We love the concepts. Uh, and we are really thanks. But I don't want to be open more restaurants there. And this opportunity popped. So I called my friend. I said, hey, listen, I saw this job. Tell me about that. My friend was, are you crazy? Are you going to apply for this? You own your restaurants in Costa Rica? I said, yes. I'm looking to do a change with my wife. Uh, we're looking to spend more time with my family. And as well, I think it's, this can be a great opportunity for my daughter to come in to open a lot of doors. Um, I heard a lot of good things about Hilton. So he hooked me up. Um, and then the interview, the first interview was amazing. And then I have this call with 
Chris Coffin, the GM, and uh, Doug, the, the F&B director. Um, the first thing I mean, if I know Columbus, and I go in the, and I check Columbus, I don't know about nothing about Columbus, to be fair with you. Uh, I know, of course, Ohio State University, but I don't know nothing else. So when I Google it, I say, wow, this city is amazing. They have a lot to offer. It's beautiful, the city. Complete difference what the other states or cities, what I know in states, you know, what I, I know a lot here, but never was in my loop. So when I have the meeting with Chris and Doug, literally I say, I want to work for these guys. These guys invite me to come to meet in person and know the city and invite my wife. So we come with my wife. It's been a weekend here. And by the way, we never talk about money. Huh? I come here, see the place, met them, spend a whole weekend. And I say, I want to work for you guys. The way these guys are, the way they treat people, I love it. The company as well. And then when I see Columbus with my eyes, I say, wow, this city is beautiful. And something I surprised when I was telling is there's still the Midwest spirit. The people is so nice here in Columbus. Super nice. Never mind where you are, supermarket, a gas station, including the immigration stuff in the airport. This is so nice. So I told my wife, I want to live here. I think I have a lot to offer to Columbus and Columbus have a lot to offer to us. And my wife turned to me and said, you know what? I think we can call home Columbus. So... And when we was walking the building, and now we're going to go through with all the concepts, what is the one more exciting for me? I told, hey, it's like you guys was spying me and they create these concepts special for me because we have a fire restaurant, we have a fusion Asian restaurant, we have a bar, and it's all what I have and what I know to do. So I was super excited about the offer, you know? Um, yeah, we are. The main kind of restaurant out of the three is FYR. And that's going to be all live fire cooking, right? Yeah. So the first restaurant, what is for me, my main baby is Fire. Fire is an open fire concept restaurant. It's the first here in Columbus, Ohio. Really, we're going to be doing fires. How should be with South American inspiration? We have a three meter grill. We have a good oven and 90% of the food is going to be touching fire, including the desserts. Not necessarily they're going to come on fire, but Every single item in the menu have touch fire. What we're going to bring with fire to the table is something different. We know our steakhouse. That's really important. We are open fire restaurant. It's completely different. You know, stay high, you all, you all, you have like 20 different cuts of beef. We know that. But yeah, we're going to have dry aged beef. We work with local suppliers. And for me, something where it's important is I believe Columbus is ready to the next step in restaurants. But as well, with, I start to partner with some local chefs. I believe that the success of Columbus not depends on one chef, depends on we all work together. And I think we can put Columbus in the culinary map in your state. At the moment, there are some amazing cook, local cooks. And you, something that made me take the decision to move, not myself, my whole family to Columbus is all the amount of local suppliers you have here. It's incredible the products that you have. You know, when you say everything's going to touch kind of the fire, you know, there's a few other restaurants, you know, Cezanne out in California is very similar. I think possibly Maidan uh, in the D.C. area does a lot of live fire. There, like there's a handful of them. So it's still a newer concept. You know, there's not as many of those restaurants around where almost everything or everything is at some point touching, you know, the grill or to get a smoke or, you know, a char or whatever. 
you know, on that particular dish. Now, there's also going to be a tasting menu option too, right? So how it's going to work to the first you was asking about fire, we're going to work with pretty much seven different techniques of fire. Between these seven different techniques, what they, I learned it, this is something you don't learn in school. You need to pick it up. I read it for my family in the ranch. You know, we, we own a few ranches in Argentina, and that's the way I learned when I was a kid with my grandparents to do asados. So you're going to experience seven different techniques where they want to help you to produce our menu. But then the other interesting part is that myself, I'm going to be personal cooking the tasting menus. So beside the menu, you're going to have a counter just front of the fires where you're going to be sitting. I myself are going to be driving you around the menu with different plates and explain you about all the techniques what we're using and getting some nice wine and having fun. It's nice because most of the tasting menus, you're not able to interact with the chef. It's just bringing you the food and then the chef come and stop and say hi. In this case, the, the person who are doing the tasting menu, they're going to be able to interact with myself and we're going to have a lot of fun. And the idea is that people learn something about, about as well as what we're doing, you know. And everyone now at the moment is crazy about fires, more than ever. So the idea is I want people to have fun, whatever you want a good tip or something, take it for us. With tasting menus, you know, what is your kind of philosophy? Are you more about the amount of food that you wind up serving somebody over multiple courses, or is it about time, like the length of the experience? It's a combination, but I'm not a believer in long tasting menus. If I know can surprise you and excite you with two courses, I don't want to do it with 15, 20 courses. So I don't like that long, boring menus, like 20 plates, 15 plates, and you are four hours sitting tasting food. I'm more about five six dishes they're amazing good taste good wine and experience i don't just cook for me cooking is not the business for me is we sell experience and the experience is everything around the food so the suppliers the food the service the music the wine the, everything the decoration that's the most important for me that you come to live experience with us how difficult is it to control the live fire aspect? Because it's a living, breathing, moving thing. Obviously, you have experience, but it's still its own thing, too, at the same time. Like, you could have years and years of experience, and yes, that makes you an expert, but it also could just do some weird stuff on you sometimes, too, depending on the situation, right? To be fair, this is what I do. I love it. Forget I'm a cook. I do this since I'm five-year-old fires. When you understand how the fire works, it's easy. The problem is a lot of people in this thing is just light the fire, put the grill, and put the meat on top. No. Every first, the, you need to pick the wood where you're going to be using. And you have different types of wood for different types of applications, including the charcoal. You can apply for fusing charcoal for another stuff. No. The same happens with them when you're going to start to cook. You're going to have different ways to cook, direct heat, indirect heat, um, different temperatures. And then the other way you're applying is what protein you're going to cook. So, for example, if you talk about beef, it's not saying to cook a fillet, to cook a New York, or cook a tomahawk. They are completely different muscles, and they react completely different to temperatures and timing. So it's more of just like the grill, put the grill and put the meat on top. Um, it's a big training what I'm doing with cooks here. I prefer to get guys what they are I'm going to be training for zero. The guys that come with, oh, I know how to cook on the grill because they're cooking a grill, flipping beef. It's, it's not just flip beef on the grill. Like the other day I was talking for a cook, like he suffered steak and they have this 
bad concept that you need to make that grill marks really deep, black. And I say, but when you touch this, there's burn because you literally burn. You're not grilling, you're burning to make that marks. So it's more about, I don't know if I answered your question, but it's more about just putting, light the grill and put the grill. There are many concepts that you need to control, include temperature and humidity. So with the time you get used to, but takes few months to pick it up and get in the level that you can be feel confident grilling. I left my grills work alone. And then stories on high is the the rooftop cocktail bar, but you're going to be doing kind of small plates, I think, up there too, right? For that, stories is not just a rooftop. It's going to be the more cool rooftop in the city. Let's put it like this: yeah, 20th floor, two amazing terraces facing. You can see the whole city. You can see the main street, but it's amazing. And then what we're doing, we have this amazing cocktail uh, program with uh, Rustin, with our directors of food and house beverage, is doing. And Russ come with an amazing cocktail menu there. Um, I want to be uh, prepping an American-Asian fusion menu. We have a little Robata grill where you're going to be able to sit in the bar in front of the Robata. And we have a, only, we have a special Robata menu. Plus, then you're going to have some dishes coming from the kitchen, sushi. So you're going to be able to be dining, uh, getting your cocktail, sorry, with different types of small bites. And then I think in the lobby is Spark, which is going to be like a Midwestern menu, kind of? Yeah, so you're going to have more casual food. Like, let's say you're in the hotel and you don't want to change yourself to go to the restaurant or you're alone, you come for a meeting, you're tired, you just want to get a burger. That's a place to go. Or you just want to see the match and get some nice fries, calamaris. That's a place to go. Or you're going to pizza that we're going to have as well on fire pizzas, but you just want to pizza, watch the game, get a drink, be yourself chilling. That's a place to go. Spot. Or you're going to drink before you dine or before your meeting. That's a place. It's a lot of fun. Argentinian cuisine is kind of known for meat, right? And then Costa Rica is kind of known for rice, beans, herbs. Those are two things that pair really well together, kind of almost naturally. But that's also not too far off from kind of the Midwestern palate, kind of the, you know, it's expanding, but kind of the cliche thing was always steak and potatoes is kind of what we have here. So does that make the transition to Columbus a little bit easier, knowing that the food that you grew up on and have experienced for a large chunk of your career will easily kind of translate to the the midwestern palate yes of course help a lot as well we're not going to adapt everything we want people to try something different as well we're coming with a lot of new flavors like all the sauces and that's something what chris the gm highlight a lot the sauces what we do in fire the unique is something you're not going to taste it in any other place besides i created special is a flavor the textures because like our chimichurri, for example, I call it Jimi Hendrix. You know why? You know Jimi Hendrix? So that chimichurri is pure rock. So I name it after Jimi Hendrix, Jimi Hendrix. So it's a fresh herb chimichurri, but you have chimichurris and then you have Jimi Hendrix. It's the next level. They really pop, the freshness. People think chimichurri is just chopped parsley and garlic or dry oregano and garlic. Here, what we're doing is something completely different. In, in Argentina, the chimichurri, you're going to have 20,000 recipes, like the ketchup. Depends, the ketchup is completely different than whatever you are, you know? So the same happened with the chimichurri in, in Argentina. That is, 
the panels are the seed where you go is a different recipe and then in the family the lanala recipe so we have all these sauces where we create and they are different and the people they are gonna really like it but as well having this little background about what's happening in columbus helped me a lot and as well i taking my time to know columbus you know going i going every single weekend to dine in different restaurants and during the week as well i met so far a few of the chefs local but i really come well um i'm really really happy i'm i'm you know i'm super happy that most of the chefs they opened the doors for me like they know me for before and they were so friendly you know like uh for example um josh for veritas james for right right actually it was last sunday in james house enjoying his family the pool and he made some beans with pork amazing he was stoned the beans so yeah i feel in my set like i only three months here but i feel like i was for long what item that you're going to put on the menu are you most excited to get the feedback from the dining public on to see how they react to it okay the more one of the more weird combinations that i think is gonna blow is you take it or you leave it we have a bone marrow where it's cooked to perfection then we finish it with some Jimi hendrix pan grattato where it's a toasted breadcrumbs and searchy uni so it's my version of surf and turf so you have the creamy or the unsweetness with a little as salt of the uni that fatness of the bone marrow and then the acidity with a little bit pick of spice of the chimichurri the combination that three items together part the brand that will give you some texture it's a blow mine yeah and then we have a few other items that people is gonna like like we have a tartar we're gonna be doing at the table um we have like uh some other items that we have a parrillada in the sharing plates i don't know if you know but a parrillada is like a um a board with different cuts. I think that is going to be a hot topic that people really, really like it. We have some offals, chorizo, different cuts. The food what we're doing as well is for sure, you know, no, no, because there are big portions is your and difference and, and you'll be sharing the tale. Are any of the concepts going to be doing to go online ordering? Spark maybe? I don't know yet that. I can come back to you. To be fair, you need to come and live the experience in the restaurant. That's the real deal. Then I know you're going to be able to do pick up. Like if you want something, you can call and come and pick it up. But the real deal is come, enjoy. Because when you take the food home and you order the food for home, yeah, you're going to taste this amazing steak we're going to be making with you or our potatoes or our veggies cooked on the grill. But the real deal is be sitting there, getting that fires. We have an amazing open kitchen. See the people, the bartenders, the music, the vibe. All that is what makes the real experience. It's not only the food. Now, I've read, and I don't know if this is true, but when you were in Costa Rica, you hosted a cooking TV show. Is that accurate? You see, that's the reason why I can't speak easily with you, right? We do our research here. We do our research. We go deep. That's good. You've done a great research. You're not doing it anymore? No, no more. I've done three years. When you're doing a cooking TV show, how difficult is it to adjust to where you're cooking for the camera and you're not cooking for... A person like you're not cooking for somebody in the restaurant you're cooking in this kind of this time constraint right to be fair with you for me the in this case this show i done it as well in london in bbc with jamie but costa rica was about have fun people is watching the the show most of the people there normal people you know like lawyers accounts uh mothers they're not professional cooks we have a lot of professional cook looking but 
So you don't want to complicate the people. So what I was doing is searching for local ingredients and showing the people how to use it in a different way, more professional, but keep it simple. So there was 15, 20 minutes shows where we was picking an ingredient or go to the market or we done a lot of outdoors. So we was cooking in different spots. Show it that you, the, the kitchen, you know, to be scary. We, the cooks, the chef, we complicated. So we were showing how to make simple stuff with basic ingredients, but you always do the same. So we turn a potato in something different than just baked potatoes. Or we get a um, culantro. We show you how to do culantro in different way or a tomato in different, just for salad, do something different. It was a lot of fun. It was three years. And actually, still people asking me, why we not come back in the TV? And the reason was no time. It's good to say, you know, we I pre-signed, um, the pandemic didn't arrive, but we was pretty much pre-signed with Food Network Latam to film a show for Latin America with Food Network, and then the pandemic arrived, and that stopped. So maybe, who say, maybe we do something here in Columbus. So far with Columbus, like you said, you've been here about three months. Any standout highlights so far? Any things you wish the city had but doesn't have yet or you haven't found? So far, what I know, I love it. You know, like, uh, of course, the open fire restaurant where we're opening now. Fire was one of the spots that was missing the city. And I think the city, they have everything you want. If you want to eat great tacos, you have here no market. Those hermanos, I love it. These guys are doing the best tacos in the city for me. I, I just waiting now to start the season sports. That's where I look now, uh, hockey and all that stuff. But what I saw so far, I'm going to be honest, it's a magic city. It's a, a small, big city. You have everything what you need. It's popping more and more, I believe, and it's going to be popping more. I saw a few concepts coming. Um, for me, so far, for what I saw, I'm super happy. I'm happy at work, happy at life. That's important. Actually, I'm really thanks with Columbus so far for all the welcome and people who stop and say, hey, hi, welcome, um, this type of stuff, you know? You said you enjoy a good hamburger. How many hamburgers have you had since you've been here, and, and what's kind of your top so far? To be fair, I don't eat many burgers yet here. I was focusing more on different types of food. I try more commercial burgers like a Shea Shack. Swanson, where it's a local brand. Yeah, Swanson is um, like Cleveland, Akron area is kind of when they originated, yeah. My daughter loved it. She liked the concept of go and get the burger on the car. But we found it really cool because we never done it. So that when the girl, they come and that. But I don't eat many burgers. To be fair with you, one, of course, here's in the hotel, the actually burger what they have in, here in Hilton is really nice. It's a smash burger, but I don't get many burgers. When I get one in, in Ghost Rider, the chef was there. Now he's moving to a new concept. So actually looking forward to taste his new place. But no, no many burgers. I was most about when I stop in of course with James and Ride Ride, but I get this hot plate. I believe you get it as meats. And I was there sitting for three hours eating that. And I was so happy. Uh, I was... Cameron's Mitchell restaurant just down the block. The um, Yale House. I really like the concept. They're super friendly there, the guys. So I've been already a few times there. I was in a sushi place, 1146, I think is the name. Great spot. I'm a big fan of sushi. So that was so far the best sushi I get here. When Veritas with Josh, great experience. His menu, I get his menu tasting. The guys are smashing. I'm looking forward to taste his new concept. No market. I love it. You know, I'm really basic. When I go to eat food, for me, just for me, um, I like go and eat nice, simple. No, no, I don't like to complicate myself. But I taste in different spots at the moment. 
And I, I need to try, I please in a lot of people, a lot of people is asking me, hey, you need to come, please come to my place. So we're trying to do it. Ice creams, Jenny's, big fun. Special the donut with the sugary donut, uh, these thrillers. When with the uh, caramel donuts, it's simple, amazing. Frosty donuts, something like that. But they know in all the rest, in all his spots. But yeah, so far what it tasting is great. You know, um, I found some markets to purchase like uh, Latin products as well, what we're gonna be using in my restaurants. Living the dream, like I like to say. And you know, something really important we're doing here in the restaurants, and it's, I think it's a key point, but we really need to highlight. We're doing a huge work with local suppliers, huge, huge. So we're partnering with a lot, like the guys for Black Radish. We have another guys who do charcuterie, but actually this, Guys used to work here, and now they opened his own company. We're doing a bourbon with water shell. We have like, we're gonna have around 15 suppliers that we are at the moment partnering, and we're gonna be featuring the menu as well. Um, for me, it's support local suppliers, activate local economy, help Columbus to raise. It's all about that. I saw on Instagram earlier, you were doing a caviar tasting, I think. What are you looking for in that process? Are you looking for texture? Are you looking for flavor? Everything, everything. It's a whole experience. Taste, flavor, texture, um, smell sometimes, uh, how to taste in the mouth. This caviar, what we're tasting is, I don't want to use, most of the people, when you talk about caviar, you talk about Iranian or Russian caviar. Um, now in the States, you produce an amazing caviar. Um, this caviar particular, what I was tasting today in the morning is from Uruguay. So parts cooking sauce, get some South American inspiration, not only cooking South American because we have some American inspiration as well, is I was trying to get something new to the table that locals can trace. You know, this South American color is really good. What we taste today, we taste four different ones. Um, we pick one which is a surprise, it's amazing. And price point quality works really well as well for what we want to do. So the tartar, beef tartar, when you order it, you're gonna be able to upgrade with caviar. So we're going to top it with one ounce of caviar on top. This next question comes from the previous guest on the podcast. I have everybody leave behind a question for the next guest. So this is from uh, Miles Cherry and Eric DeAngelis. They're uh, sous chefs over at uh, 1922 on the Square, which is a restaurant out in Newark, which if you get the chance to drive out there, I would highly recommend. Which would you rather happen to you in the kitchen when you're cooking? Would you rather get cut or would you rather sustain a burn? Chefs, sometimes they are probably showing the cuts and the burns and all that. And of course, in this podcast, it's more about listening. But I know you can see me now what we are talking about. I know how burns pretty much. I know how burns. I have only one. And cuts, I have few on the fingers when I start. I used to work with a Japanese. One of my mentors, they called Saito, was my first mentor. Um, he used to slap me in that time. You know, old school. If you cut or you burn. And he was, if you cut or you burn, it's a problem because we counting with you. So if you are out in the kitchen, we are minus one and we're in problem. So for me, I like to not cut the non burn. Now, if I need to want, I prefer the cut because after heal, you don't have a big skirt, especially I have tattoos so in both arms. So I prefer to not have a burn. What question do you want to leave behind for the next guest? Why cooking? It's a question where I like to do always. Why are you cooking? For me, it's about please people, see people happy. That's my payment, you know? Don't tell this to Chris, you know, he's going to take me my paycheck out, but it's about seeing people happy. Just to finish, something where I'm really happy in this profession is, no, you not only make people happy in, in the kitchen, uh, customers, 
as well you can change people's life in the kitchen so lots of people in this environment and in this business where we work that come here like for mistake or they're with addictions or problems um we can make a huge difference with the cooking we can give a tool to someone we can teach a profession special people was with uh makes mistakes in life nobody's exempt to make a mistake in life go in prison or have addiction or whatever come in the life of someone and touch it and make the difference that's for me the most satisfactory about this business this next question comes from one of our listeners they wrote in what is the biggest difference between cooking for a restaurant that's located inside a hotel versus a standalone restaurant that's in its own building yes depend approach for example, um, I'm, I consider myself a restaurant chef, not a hotel chef. And is with a restaurant, you are more independent in the way to take decisions. The service is more casual. The marketing approach is more casual. And most of the restaurants inside hotels, old school, because now this mentality is changing, was more like a one more amenity I'm giving you because you're in the hotel. It was extra service then i was really focusing on the quality of the food or in the quality of the service and then it was a marketing attached the last few years the hotel business understand that it's a plus actually um start to turn and get more restaurant chefs in the business and start to focus more the approaching quality food quality service and sell experience to the customers and not just an extra service you see now now, more restaurants inside hotels with Michelin stars, 50 with some Pellegrinas. And this is because restaurant chefs start to join hotels and we start to give this approach different to the customers. So we got a handful more questions for you. We ask these to everybody who comes on the podcast. So a nice compare and contrast across all the episodes here. So who would you say is the biggest influence on your cooking career looking back on it so far? Besides my grandmother, what we spoke already, Jamie Oliver was my main mentor in my career. And then, um, of course, Francis Malman, I love it. Francis and myself, we, we share the same philosophy as cooking on fires. And Francis is a, a great inspiration for me always. And he's a great guy. I, I have the opportunity to meet him many times and cook with him. He's a great guy. Uh, last time I saw him was in uh, Uruguay in his restaurant. His food is, is super. He's a great guy. But he's inspiring me more in personal ways so of only work, the way he approached life. What's one kitchen item that's not a knife that you can't live without? Oh, that's a good question. My tongs. But no, that fancy tongs for... Forget the fancy tongs. That now it's a fashion everybody put here now. Real tongs, because I'm a griller. So I need nice tongs to work my meats, um, get, you know, the tongs. You start to move things around the grill. Tongs and knives, the two basic tools. I know... Um, I always play the joke that I know that Harry Potter and please don't get offended all the crooks, but I don't like to play with foam, gelatins, powders, uh, nitrogen. I know use technology make in, in this kitchen. That's something important as well, but people are going to experience something different. Restaurant you'd recommend that isn't your own. So for Costa Rica, somebody's traveling you know, to Costa Rica. None of your restaurants are open that day. Where are you pointing them? So beside my restaurants, I recommend you Silvestre from Santiago Benedetto. For me, it's... He's making the fine dining in Costa Rica. He's representing the new contemporary Costa Rican cuisine. Pablo Bonilla, Francisca. He have uh, more six years experimenting with uh, the, the local indigenous cuisine. He's going with indigenous 
um, live with them and understand his philosophy and bring it back and he's doing a contemporary version of which is the indigenous cuisine in Costa Rica. Both for me, they are amazing. Um, if you ask me the third restaurant in Costa Rica, what I'd recommend you, let's see. I really like Koji. If you're in Santa Teresa, Santa Teresa is my favorite beach there. And you have this little Japanese restaurant where it's, it's a diamond, lost in the jungle. It's simple, amazing. It's, his chef is Japanese. His food is amazing. I really recommend if everyone is going now Santa Teresa. So Santa Teresa Koji is super. And as well there, you have American chef who is doing top chef, have a restaurant they call Pronto. He's Italian. He's half Italian, half American. Um, he's Argentinian. They're out of the war. He make a truffle lasagna as well. Really good. So we've done four restaurants in Costa Rica. But then what I suggest, if you go to Costa Rica, go to the beach. Uh, go to the market. Eat in the market as well. Find the central market. Get some food local. It's good. I know you traveled quite a bit of places, but... Do you have a, a bucket list kind of travel destination and a bucket list restaurant, you know, place you haven't been to yet that you still want to go to and restaurant that you haven't eaten at that you still want to experience? Yeah, for sure. Let's see. We have in Mexico, in Tulum, Arca. Jose, the chef, is my friend, but I know was yet in Arca. So, Jose, I see you soon in, in Arca. It's amazing. Let me see. I'm going to go in here in the States. I know it yet in 11 Madison. I love to go, but one of the places where I craving to go and I need to go and I don't know what's yet is French Landry Thomas Keller. He's a great inspiration for me as well. Uh, so I want to be in there. Boravo in Chile is an amazing place I love to be in. That's like the few places, but if you ask me now, you're craving there are the spots where I don't try yet and I love to go. Craziest thing you've ever seen happen in a restaurant while you're working? It's not so crazy, but... I was doing consulting as well, and I was doing consulting in, in Costa Rica. And I, we was doing a menu. Um, I was explaining to the guys, we was tasting the menu and all that. And I literally put the plate, and I turned to go to pick a microplane to finish the place. And when I turned the plate, with the food was and the plate disappeared. Literally, when I turned up, was a monkey walking there. The, just walking by the, the wall with my whole plate. I never saw that in my life. I saw funny things like a restaurant coming fire. I saw things like, a, let's see, a restaurant coming fire, someone fell for the table, uh, a Lopez sent in the middle of the restaurant, like uh, someone with the, one another girl and the girlfriend or the wife come. But I never saw a monkey steal the food in the middle of a photo shooting. Yeah, the only place I could even think that would, would happen would be somewhere in like Bali or Thailand or, or something like that where kind of the monkeys are kind of roaming and they usually say, watch out. But the funny, the guy had done it twice, huh? No one, twice. I put the plate again, I turn it, and when I turn it again, I took it again. Food or drink guilty pleasure? Is there anything that you know is just not great for you health-wise, but you just can't help yourself? Something where I, you know, after 40, few things, you know, should we get in my, in my case, I'm intolerant to sugar. I turned that after 40 and 44. Um, um, I have a sweet tooth. I love candies. So if you if you open my drawer now, let's see. Here in the drawer, I have Arsenal of candy. So we have Starburst, Holy Ranchers, Kit Kat. Uh, this is healthy, actually. La Barra. And then I have Mike and Ike's. Sweets is my thing. I only have here in the drawer sweets, and when I work in, I get something. And then another thing with that, 
that's the only thing what I don't smoke. I, I'm a social drinker. So candies is the only thing what I know I know should be taken and I take it. Favorite Instagram account you follow? I really like Fernando Troca. Fernando Troca is a friend. And to be fair, when you ask me about inspirational people, Fernando is another chef who really inspired me. He has one of for me, is one of the persons in this business with the big heart I ever seen. Fernando is one of the best chefs in Argentina, and from Argentina to the world, on many types of different restaurants. And I love his uh, Instagram account, whatever he put in, his food, his lifestyle. So you don't know it, Fernando Troca, great guy to follow. And then, of course, you know, I race motorcycles, so I have fewer motorcycles once where I follow, but off-road motorcycles. Favorite dish thing you ever cooked, created, you know, looking back over the course of your career, you can kind of point to this dish, this thing that you cooked as being, you know, your aha moment, like you knew you could be a professional chef. I have a plate what I do, and I bring it in all my restaurants, and it's probably simple, but Aston used to say everything should be simple, but not simple. It's a tomato. What we bake in the oven is served with uh, burnt onions and tapadulce, which is panela. It's a raw sugar, honey, what we make, goat cheese and sumacs. So it's really simple, but it's a, a lot of technique because if you overcook the tomato, it's going to be like a puree. If you don't cook it perfect, it's going to be hard. And you see we run temperature. That's a plate where people is going to be able to enjoy on fire as well. I have it in my restaurant in Costa Rica. It's simple, amazing. I'm an Anthony Bourdain fan. Not everybody is. Uh, if you were, is there a episode, a moment, scene uh, that stands out to you about him. If you weren't, was there another kind of chef on TV that you gravitated towards at any point during your career? To be honest, um, I'm no big fan. I like what he do, but I know never was a big fan of Anthony. And I don't watch it a lot. I used to love Charlie Trotter's shows. I used to love the way Charlie cooked. He was a genius. What he was doing, um, he was really inspired for me. I was, I, I used to love watch Charlie on TV. Um, Curtis Stone, I used to like as well the way he was when he was cooking. I don't know if you remember his his shows on down the beach. He used to have a long long time ago a TV show. He was cooking on the beach. Um, yeah, I like his. I used to like that show as well. But Charlie for me was wow. Where can people find you? Social media, website, reservations, plug everything. They can find me in my Instagram in Sebas Laroca. Then they can go on the Fire Instagram. Uh, it's open already, and please follow is Fire Short North on Instagram, and they're gonna have a lot of information about. And then my main account, Sebas Laroca, is where I link all all the businesses. But Fire is the main one where you're gonna start to see. And then we have stories in the high as well already open on Instagram. So please follow both. And come to see me in the restaurants. I'm here for you guys. I want to. I love to talk to people. I love people come to visit the restaurants. I want to be free to all these people when I come and cook and have fun and eat good food and drinks with me. When do the restaurants open? Is there an opening date? So we're looking to open the fire by the end of August. That's going to be the first one, and then everything else will follow. Is uh, actually we're looking to open a fire spark the market. But while we talk about market and market, if you have a second, I'd like to add that. We have this amazing market where I, I partnered here in the hotel with Todd Brian. Brian is our pastry chef, super talented young guy. That We, we, we give wins to this guy to just do whatever he wants in pastry. And you guys are going to try the most ridiculous desserts and chocolates with Brian do. And then Todd is our, pastry, is our banqueting 
a market executive chef is the first time this hotel have two executive chefs. So total myself, we are partners in this hotel. Um, I do the restaurants, do the banquetings. The banquetings they have amazing banquet menu for different the regular banquets. But he's doing something really different here. We're gonna have a market what. You're going to be able to grab different types of food, already done it, or a laminate cook for him. And as well, uh, the offer, what he's doing is completely different. You're going to have a type of deli there as well to get nice food. If you, you don't have time to come and dine in the restaurant, you can stop by, grab some food, some smoothies or some juice. As well, you're going to be able to purchase some stuff as well, already done, some chocolates and candies and things like that. So Columbus, be ready because Hilton is going to blow your mind. No, it all sounds like awesome concepts. Really looking forward to checking out the fire and, and the tasting menu and, and trying the food firsthand. It's always great to see we started to have some, I call it out of town uh, talent come into Columbus. You know, Matt Harper moved here. You know, he, he worked at Zahav in Philly and, you know, he wound up here and is the executive chef over at Commune. And we started to have people like yourself come in from out of town and a rising tide lifts all boats kind of helps all the restaurants kind of move up to that next level and push everybody, uh, you know, to continue to innovate and, and push themselves creatively and culinary directions and everything too. So it's really awesome to see new concepts come in and, and new people come in with fresh ideas. So pretty excited. You know, Columbus has a lot to offer. It's like I told you, you take, but you give back. The quality living you have here is amazing. The people is amazing. And the food so far where I trade was great. So I'm looking forward to be adding some spice to Colombo and be able to raise Columbus with the amazing thing what we have here in Hilton. I expect to see you, everyone here in, in Fire and all the other restaurants, and they're gonna they're gonna have a blast, believe me. They're really gonna enjoy what we're doing here. We have a lot of surprises. The team is working really hard. We're looking forward to have Columbus visiting us soon. Looking forward to trying it. If you ever need anything from us, feel free to reach out. We like to support everybody who comes on the podcast as much as we can, whether it's change over the tasting menu and you want to talk about it for 15 minutes or whatever, just reach out. Happy to support everybody as much as we can here. So definitely looking forward to opening day, opening night for you guys and getting in there and trying some, uh, some of your food firsthand. Thank you for having me. I was really, really happy to chat with you. A big thanks again to Chef Sebastian for taking some time, coming on the podcast. A big shout out to the Hilton team for helping set this up. A shout out to Megan Garb, who is the VP, uh, Director of kind of Media Relations for them. And also shout out to Lori Hacker, who's in their marketing department too as well, kind of coordinating and making it a super smooth and super seamless process of, of getting everything set up and um, you know partnering up and, and doing this podcast. It was it was a lot of fun to talk to somebody who you don't really know too much about, but is going to have a super big imprint and super big influence on the Columbus dining scene moving forward. And it was great to hear from Sebastian himself how hospitable uh, other chefs in Columbus have been for his arrival. You know, you could look at it one way where there's this new restaurant and it's, you know, competition for us and how much is going to be similar to kind of what we're doing or whatever. But everybody seems to have kind of welcomed him with open arms. And that's really, really awesome to see. And hopefully it helps elevate our food scene and the dining scene and restaurant scene uh, here in Columbus just to that, that next level where everybody wants it to go, I think. So again, you can follow him on Instagram at Sebas LaRocca. Also follow the restaurant at FYR Short North. It's Fire Short North. You can follow his restaurants in Costa Rica at Eat Gastro Group 
at Botanico CR, at Roca CR, and at Hamburgerisa. And you can also follow the new Hilton Tower uh, at Hilton Columbus. And then you'll get updates on kind of as the new concepts open um, in succession. But the first one will be fire. And it sounds like the next one will be stories on high. And then after that, they'll go through kind of the rest uh, as they open too as well. So check that out. They've been doing some job fairs too as well. So if you're in the industry, um, we did uh, some advertising for them. For one, they did one at kind of the beginning of August and they might be doing one, you know, sometime soon in September um, with a hiring push. So uh, if it's something that you're interested in checking out, follow their Hilton account and then uh, they'll post all the details and everything and and you can either go or go online or whatever and see what positions uh, they still have open and if something that you're interested in so appreciate you know everybody listening Uh, again you can follow us on instagram at spoon mob you know check out the website spoonmob.com make sure to follow subscribe to the podcast on your preferred podcast app you can check out our youtube channel too if you want and also feel free to write in questions comments feedback either through our contact portal on our website or directly to spoonmob at yahoo.com we take questions. If you have a question that you have ever wanted to ask a sommelier or a restaurant owner or a chef, feel free to write that in and we'll get it matched up with kind of the best guest that we kind of feel it worked the best with. And then uh, we'll hit you back as soon as that uh, question gets asked. And then the episode's going to air, let you know that your question will be featured. We always do a listener writing question. So it's a lot of fun, kind of throws a little different twist uh, towards the end of the, every episode and every interview that we do. But yeah, if you have anything else, questions, you know, comments, feedback, whatever, just write it in. We'll respond to you as soon as we can. We like to respond to everybody. And it's always great hearing from people that have encountered the podcast and, and found the podcast and have enjoyed kind of what we're doing. So appreciate everybody listening. Um, like I always say, you know, if you're new, welcome. If you've been here for a while, thank you for your continued support. And uh, we will talk to you guys next week.